0: Are you ready? It's the time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of man buns and Jesus we're in season three but i'm refusing to give these to this episode and our previous episode a number. i'm one of your hosts joshua laborious from edgewater Lutheran church in Eastvale California. And the other gentleman on this call who doesn't have his hair in a man bun right now, but if you're listening that doesn't much matter to you, the Reverend Benjamin O.schlager, how how we doing today, Ben.
0: We're doing good. We're feeling spicy. Uh, throwing some hot takes out there. Um, we're in the midst of kind of a, a two part mini series of hot takes that aren't actually that hot or takey. Um, <laughs> we're takey. We're we're responding to other people's Pretty hot. Sure, that's not a word, than... then? I'll deal with it. Um. I am, by telling you it's not a word. That is
1: how I have chosen (laughs) to deal with it.
0: Anyway, um, over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, as we're recording this podcast, there's been a little bit of controversy around an annotated uh, large catechism that the uh, LCMS's publishing arm, Concordia Publishing House, a.k.a. CPH, has put out, and uh, last week we dove into one of the two issues that um, really kind of flared up temperatures and anger around this publication over what was in certainty and nothing burger. Um, (laughs) And uh, that was around issues of of sexuality. Um, And this week we're going to look at the other issue that has been probably most cited um, in the shouty corners of the internet.
1: Um, shouty corners of the internet.
0: I'm going to use that one. Like that. Um, uh, and that, that's around the topic of self-defense. And this one, this one I think was interesting because it speaks to the way that the church has been shaped by uh, American culture rather than vice versa as people kind of want it or hope it to be. Um, And so we're going to dive into this a little bit today. Josh is on a bit of an adventure in self-discovery as we talk about this himself. Um, But I think this will hopefully be helpful as we dive into some of the things around uh self-defense and in our theology on it and um also some of the cultural influences that shape the way that a lot of christians think about the issue um so first and foremost josh do you have the uh, the article up in front of you uh, i do esteemed reverend dr joel d bierman
1: yeah so as with last week I read I read all three articles and this is dealing with the. uh, um, The fifth commandment, which is thou shalt not murder. Uh, And I read all three articles and again I I was like I don't I don't see what the issue was like because the issue purportedly was self defense and I couldn't I couldn't find that. It wasn't really addressed, except, and I'm going to pull a couple quote And second of all, I think the I again, this is I think this is the article that was an issue. I'm not entirely sure, um, but it was an article by Joel Bierman, who is a systematics professor at the seminary. And like, if you're disagreeing with Joel Bierman about theology, Check you are probably you not correct. Yourself. Yeah, you like, <laughs> I'm not saying he's infallible, right? He says things, sometimes he says things that uh, maybe go a little too far. Maybe he, he says things that uh, you can Perhaps disagree with.
0: Guy, and we've disagreed with him on some things.
1: But by and large, especially if it's something he's, comf- he's confident enough to write an article about, you're probably not the one who's in. Anyway, so digressing from my uh, my life of, of Dr. Bierman's work, he writes the resultant, he's kind of talking about, because the title of his article is, uh, now I, now I want to look it up to make sure I get it, it's Lawful Legal Force, Lawful Lethal Force. So what he's writing about, because it's You Shall Not Commit Murder, he's writing about the Lutheran theology that the government is given the sword so in 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 situations of war, uh, a Christian can in good conscience serve as a soldier and and kill people as a soldier. Uh, the government has the authority to to. Administer Green death penalty. Um, so that's what he's talking about at its core, he's talking about why. Like explaining our theology on why it's okay for the government to do these things, and he says that he addresses this. he says the resultant paradox of a Christian humbly following Christ in a way of non retaliation self sacrifice, and turning the other cheek while at the same time wielding a sword in battle has caused no end of angst among Christians of other traditions, and then you you go on. And he says, and Christians, with a grasp of the wonder of grace, a commitment to serve the other faithfully within their vocations, and an aversion to the self-serving abuse of power, are excellent, excellent candidates for serving in government. He says, this is not to imply that the interface of personal cheek turning and vocational sword wielding is easily navigated and lived far from it. Practicing this doctrinal truth in real life can be exceedingly complicated and even painful, and different Christians will reach different conclusions about the best way to sort the distinction out in practice. So he is writing here that there's there's some there's muddy water here. It's difficult to navigate, um, and then he kind of is concluding the article and he says the recognition of a legitimate place for the use of the sword within God's plan for his creation is not a license for any Christian to use the sword for any reason unilaterally deemed legitimate and necessary. And it certainly does not provide a scriptural foundation for a right to bear arms. And I'm guessing that is what people got touchy about because people are really touchy about the right to bear arms, which is like, let's distinguish here. The right to bear arms is a constitutional reality. Not necessarily a scriptural one, I don't think it inherently is non scriptural, but it you would it would take some work for you to convince me that the Bible says we must have the right to bear arms, so that's those are the quotes I kind of pulled out from Bierman's article that say like I guess you could find issue with this um my my pro and Ben maybe you can clarify this a little bit um so he references turning the other cheek, which comes from Matthew 5, and it said, and this is Jesus teaching. He says, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Uh, so he's kind of talking about... Uh, retaliation and not not seeking revenge not seeking payback um not retaliating and so beerman's three things here are non-retaliation self-sacrifice and turning the other cheek and people said oh it's writing against self-defense and I don't think that's a fair characterization of it and I would say I don't know if that's a fair characterization of Jesus' teaching either. He's because he's he's saying don't retaliate. Right? If someone, the whole the trope, they sent one of yours to the hospital, send one of theirs to the morgue. Like he's like, don't do that. Um but where I and again, Ben, maybe you can provide some clarity here, is the issue of self-defense, right? We're not supposed to retaliate, but are we within our is it faithful for us to defend ourselves and i think this is where bierman's acknowledgement that this is like a murky area comes into play because i think and this is kind of where i'm starting to settle i think it entirely depends on why if you are like if you're defending yourself just for the sake of your convenience or something i would say well maybe that's not appropriate but like if i'm walking somewhere with my wife and someone is coming up and he's threatening my wife i think it is part of my or or not even it doesn't even have to be my wife if it's a friend or if there are some kids with me or or even if i see this happening to a stranger it's part of my calling to stick to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves that's that's a scriptural thing um god reveals that a lot throughout the old testament because he expects israel to defend the widowed and the fatherless and and people who can't stand up for themselves so like if someone pulls a a knife on my wife i'm i'm gonna do something about it as as much as i am able um so and when you when it comes to self-defense like if I'm going to defend myself, I'm thinking like, it's, if it's just for me, that's one thing. But the reality is like, if I am, let's take this to an extreme, if I die, that makes it much, much harder for my, like, who's going to take care of my family? Who's going to take care of the church that I lead? Who's Who's going to step into these vocations? So on some level, I think self, like, if you're being a good steward of but the time and the talents that God has given you, I, I think sometimes self-defense is necessary because you have roles to play. So that's why I'm kind of thinking it's it's a very like where you come down on it is gonna depend on so much on the context, who you are, why you're defending yourself, what is actually being threatened against you. And all this to say, I don't think this article is is really about self defense. I don't think that's that that wasn't Bierman's point at all.
0: Um, huh? Now that I've thrown all that out there, so I, what do we think, Ben? <laughs> so it seems to me that a lot of the controversy uh, surrounds kind of an insinuation that comes out of some of Bierman's opening statements. Um. That is like what the purpose of as Luther writes or, or calls it the sword, uh, the use of violence. Um, there's seems to be from Jesus a reasonable prohibition against the use of violence uh, in in most circumstances. Um, and the exceptions given are that somebody's got to have ability to use force to uphold justice, so the sword is given to the state, and God, as creator of the world, the one who established his will, uh, who who enacts justice, has the ability to use the sword when and where he wills. Um, And beyond that, Bierman doesn't really see a use for the sword in the world. So where does that leave self-defense? And I think that's kind of where a lot of the controversy is, because it seems to be off the bat, Bierman saying the only people who are allowed to use force to uphold justice are the government and God. So here's a question for you
1: and i'm I'm butting in here because i think it directly plays to what you're driving here um because something else Bierman talks about is it's it's the government it's the state and then those who are let's say deputized by them yep. right so Agents so like it. so like a soldier would be an agent of the state and mm-hmm. my question because so is this is the morality of self defense is this one of the few instances where legality defines morality if the government says you you can defend yourself in this situation do you uh, on some think... level become an agent of the government when you are defending yourself within their bounds within the bounds that they have set
0: i think that's kind of where he ends up landing yeah um within scripture the examples that we see for self-defense as close as it gets to being defined in scripture Mm -hmm. um in the the mosaic law there are a couple of provisions for using lethal force to stop crimes in progress um and the the clearest example of that is an intruder in your house um if someone breaks into your house in the middle of the day the the logic was they are likely assuming that you're out in the field and they meant you no harm they just want to steal your stuff because they're desperate you're not allowed to use legal force in that in that situation lethal because they were not um did i say legal you did say legal i don't know what i said Okay. You said legal. I meant to it's say lethal. I meant to say, yeah, I meant to say lethal. You're not allowed to use lethal force in that situation, according to Mosaic law, because the purpose was not to kill you. The flip side of that, if the intruder enters your home at night, chances are he knows that you're there and he has no regard for your life. If he's going to take property, if he's going to take your life, he's going to do it at night. So if an intruder if an intruder enters your home at night according to Mosaic law you have the right to defend yourself and use lethal force. I don't think that necessarily perfectly applies to the way that we're called to use self defense now. But it sets a precedent on some I think level. it does. It does a little bit. And it says two things. One, the emphasis in Uh, mosaic law was not on self-defense it was on defense of the rest of your family so if the intruder came in 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 the evening you should dispatch them so that they are not able to harm your family you're putting your own life on the line to stop them so your life is already kind of forfeit you are doing this for your your family or your neighbor in this particular circumstance. Um, So that's one. Two, um, that use of force was allowable at that time in that place because of the system that they had set up. It was not like this is to be for all time your standard. It was this is what we're doing because we have this system in place. Um, above and beyond this, it is not your your responsibility to to kill intruders. Like there was not an exception made um, to kill someone who stole your sheep. Um, they were then sentenced to work for you. Rather than you killing them, um,
1: yeah. Most of the Old Testament law with property was essentially they have to they have to like recoup the expenses that you lost. Is is yeah. most of it boils down to just that they have to yeah. pay you back.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um, so that, that which is I gotta most- be
1: honest, I would prefer because there was this guy in Florida who stole my laptop and he got arrested and went to prison. It wasn't just my laptop. He stole like he broke into dozens of cars and and stole a bunch of people's stuff. Honestly, I would have preferred that he have to pay me for the window, pay me back to have the window fixed and and replace the laptop and the the stuff he stole. I would have preferred that for him going to prison, and I bet he would have learned his lesson because it would have been an expensive lesson. Just saying, just saying.
0: Um, yeah. I think the only other exception is, like, to stop a rape in progress. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the only other exception for use of legal fo- lethal force to legally stop a uh, crime in progress. In the um, Old Testament. In the Old Testament. That's it. Like, if, if the, the life of someone around you, a neighbor of yours, is threatened... You are to lay your life on the line to protect them. That's it. That's self-defense under under the scriptures. And within that, it never says that you need to own a sword or anything (laughs) to do that. In fact, God often limited or tried to limit Israel's military might so that they were reliant on him for their victory in battle. He set limits on the number of chariots that they were allowed to have and horses they were allowed to have. He instructed the kings that they were never to count their population so that they never knew the number of men they had at their disposal. And they were instead reliant on God's uh, protection and provision for them in the midst of battle. Um, Far Far beyond any sort of of instruction to to arm, God repeatedly enforced that He wanted the people to rely on him for their protection and for their justice, that it was not to be theirs to be doled out. Um, and that's why, like throughout the campaigns in the book of judges or uh, Book of Joshua, excuse me, When the people failed, it was because they tried to take things into their own hands. When the people turned to God, they succeeded. Um, Throughout the book of Judges, you see multiple examples where God uses um, underwhelming odds to deliver his victory, not overwhelming odds. He doesn't say to Gideon and the 300 men you know arm yourself to the teeth and come with tanks he says come with a torch and a pot and a trumpet i'm going to drive them into madness for you like,
1: which let's let's remember that Gideon had 300 men he started out with a much larger force and yeah. god kept sending them home
0: yes yep
1: he's like oh uh, you have too many guys uh send some of them home they, they, yep. they look tired they need a nap oh <laughs> uh, they didn't drink water the right way send them home they're not they're not ready for this
0: yeah no, uh, no, the you have, first you group only have was 300
1: guys you go for it
0: first group was are you scared go home
1: <laughs> chicken bucka. <paca!
0: laughs> um the rest of them <laughs> how they all explain liars?
1: that to the people at home they get home why are you back so soon i was scared <laughs> <laughs>
0: um but all of that to me points to like it is not our responsibility to be armed to the teeth and at no point does god like guarantee us the opportunity to have a weapon so if if the united states government were to come along and say yeah not josh's guns uh, they can't take those. That'd be.
1: Well, they could. They just have to amputate my arms.
0: Yeah, but at that point they'd be sinning, and you can, you can stop that. I think. I think. Unless they the,
1: already think... got my arms, then.
0: Yeah. Then you should turn. Then the it's team. too late. Yeah. Um.
1: I got no arms left.
0: <laughs> tis but a flesh wound. Um. Tis but a flesh wound. Sorry, circling back on the on the train of thought here. Um, so, if the if the United States government were to ban people from privately owning firearms, there is nothing in Scripture that tells us that we should object to that.
1: Yes, I I want to moderate that a little bit because there I don't think there's anything in Scripture that says we we couldn't work within the structures of the government to resist it, right? So like writing letters to your representative, whatever
0: mm-hmm. like, that. right? So when it comes to the second amendment- I'm, I'm eating venison for dinner tonight because my grandpa shot it in the fall. Um, I come from a hunting family. I'm not saying that we should get rid of all of our guns. Like if you hunt, if you sport shoot like i have no problem with that i in certain circumstances don't necessarily have problems with having firearms for 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 protective reasons either especially for people that live out in the middle of nowhere um but so i think biblically
1: speaking as far as the second amendment is concerned it's a neutral it's a wash yes I would say you can't use scripture to defend the Second Amendment, but you also can't use scripture to uh, advocate for its repeal. If that makes sense. I think if you're being honest, scripture is like, well, Uh it would be, it depends way too much on how you use the weapon.
0: Uh
1: Because when it comes down to it, they are just tools. Uh Guns, weapons of any form, they're just tools, and it depends on who is using them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because, like, personally, I look at it, and I am—I am very much the argument to me is very convincing that by making guns illegal, the only people you take guns away from are the people who use them legally. Um, and that, like, that's a convincing argument for me because if—if if you're intent on doing bad things. Laws are not gonna stop you because if laws stopped you, you wouldn't do the bad things anyway. Um, but scripture has nothing to do with that. that's just me and my logic, which may or may not be flawed right i'm I'm a flawed human being, just like everybody else so
0: um, but to circle back to the article, for every like, article go ahead. I was just going to say for for every argument that we can come up with logically for it, like there's also the logical argument. There's no such thing as a good guy with a gun. Uh, we're all sinners with guns. Oh, like, yeah, well. <laughs> like yeah. There are there are so many stories of of people accidentally mishandling weapons, even the most, you know, uh, experienced firearms experts. Um, not Keanu Man. Reeves, though. But yes to Alec Baldwin. Um, Yikes. I knew you were going to go there. As soon
1: as I said Keanu Reeves, I knew you were going to go there. Let's, um, anyway. Professionals um, have that's, standards, that's all
0: Ben. I guess that makes right. us amateurs. This, this, is, this is where we kind of get back to, well, who has God given the sword to? God has given the sword to government and to himself. It is his responsibility to enact justice, and he's delegated part of that responsibility to civil authorities in the world. Um, and it, within the world, if civil authorities say, sure, you're allowed to own firearms to protect yourself, then as Christians, we can. Doesn't necessarily mean we should. And we should be incredibly uh, discerning discerning as to when we use them. Yeah. Um, We should be incredibly discerning as to when we use them. But I don't think Scripture would necessarily say we can't. But we should be using them for the sake of neighbor and not for our own sake. Yeah, Um,
1: which is... I, circling back to the article, I, that's kind of just what Bierman says. And uh-huh. again, I don't know what people are getting so upset about. I don't it's know, the I, same thing we I talked think, about last week. I with, guess. Uh, like, you hear the subtext even if it's not there. Because we've been mm-hmm. so trained to listen and to I the think...
0: subtext actually I think I might know where this is coming from because within that argument though there's also the the opening if the if the sword is only given to God and to the government or as Luther writes it to God and to the princes, then the princes have every right to say you're not allowed to own weapons for self-defense purposes. And as Christians, we would have to respond, okay. If the government makes that decision, we have to be okay with that. And there are gonna like I think that's where a lot of people were upset because our our society and our culture has trained us, we have to be prepared for everything. And that means being able to combat everything that the world is going to throw at us with equal or more, or more force. Um, like, I feel like every year the Minnesota Vikings end the season and go, our offensive line wasn't big enough or strong enough. So they draft some 340-pound hulking behemoth of a human who gets injured in week two, and the line is right back where it was the previous season. um.
1: Most secure job in football, the second string of the Minnesota Vikings offensive line.
0: Yes, absolutely. But the the point there being like our response to being overpowered is always to use more force.
1: It's just an underappreciation for the rogue archetype.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Josh. Um, But I think If we look at things scripturally, if we look at things biblically, that is not necessarily our calling. And even to the point of, that's never guaranteed. Um, Do we have those rights and privileges here in the United States as a part of our, our civic privileges and rights? Yes. Is it part of our theological privileges and rights? Not necessarily. Are we still allowed to defend ourselves? Sure, use the the uh, novelty baseball bat you got the last baseball game you went to to defend your home. Like, the that's no, still I'm
1: picturing a baseball defend. bat the size of this pen when you say
0: novelty baseball bat. I'ma get you. In like half size. I mean, sure, <laughs> but like,
1: what are you gonna do? Poke their eyes out with it?
0: Yeah, exactly um I'll bite your ankles off um <laughs> wow too many Python second. references
1: in one episode we're doing we're doing yeah. something
0: right yep absolutely um but I think that's where a lot of the controversy is coming from is just insinuating this this idea that we don't have a right to arm ourselves to the teeth and I think that's a lot I think that's hard for a lot of people to hear um and I know there are Christians who will defend that argument with, I can't remember in which gospel it is. I want to say it's in Luke's gospel, where Jesus tells his disciples, sitting at the table. To buy
1: a sword, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know a lot of people who will use that as, as um, evidence that Christians should be armed and prepared to defend ourselves. But I don't think that that was the purpose of Jesus' words there. I think Jesus was trying to point to the sinful hypocrisy of the disciples. That they were not prepared to to go into the world and to serve God. They were terrified. Because he tells them, like, go buy a sword, sell your cloak, take your coin purse, buy a sword. I got no. Why would we do that? We already have one. He goes, yeah, that's proof enough. I'm looking at what happened. What happens like a chapter or two later? They're in the garden. Peter lops off a guy's ear. Jesus rebukes him. Jesus's life is on the line there. Jesus rebukes Peter for cutting off the guy's ear. Heals the guy and submits to the government.
1: I'm I'm trying to find the passage unsuccessfully.
0: Okay. <sighs> Yeah, I can't remember I want to say it's in either Matthew or Luke's gospel. It's
1: Luke twenty-two, um, but Luke twenty-two is a really long chapter.
0: Bear with me, Joe. Okay. Um It's gonna be sh- shortly before Shortly before they leave for the garden. Cause Jesus also ties that particular
1: and he uh, said to them, "When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything?" They said nothing. He said to them, "But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one, for I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. He was numbered with the transgressors, uh, for what is written about me has its fulfillment." And they said, "Look, Lord, here are two swords." And he said, "It is enough." Um, so I mean I would say that he's just instructing them to be ready to go out into the world. Like you could even read that as like you're going on the road, literally on the road. If you have to deal with wild wild animals on the way, you should be prepared for that or something. Um, yeah. I that, that would be a I soft text. Like
0: his, I think even his response to it though is telling. Because they they go to find swords and and uh, Luke's response is to lean into the fact that he had to be numbered amongst transgressors, right? Yeah. The Lu- so the Lutheran Study
1: Bible just explains travelers common ca- commonly carried swords or large knives, and then it is enough. Jesus ends the discussion i don't know i read that and i i think it has nothing to do with this conversation it's uh jesus is so like if someone was saying oh well jesus says we should be armed it's like yeah in case you gotta deal with wild animals as you're walking to a different city (laughs) but uh in any case
0: yeah anyway all of this is to say again it depends it, there's a lot that depends our our ability to own firearms is never never mentioned in scripture like so we need to be willing to listen to the government that God has placed over us um, and we need to be willing to lay down our lives for the sake of our neighbors. I think that's the realities of self-defense to read too much into it beyond that might be be sinful, definitely is a stretch. Um, But like, don't let culture convince you that it is your God-given right to own a weapon. It is your God-given right to love God and serve neighbor. anything above and beyond that is a human construction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So kind of in closing, uh, again, still don't know what people like there's there's no real reason, theologically to get upset with the articles found in this uh, annotated copy of the large catechism. Um, I'll try and remember to put a link to it in the description for these these podcasts or these videos. So if you're in, it's twenty bucks on Amazon if you're interested and want to read through them. Um, I thought at least the articles I've read so far were pretty good, um, but uh, unless you have more, I think we're ready to move into takeaways. Are we good with that? Got the head shake for those of you listening um i think my takeaway
0: that we're recording a podcast (laughs)
1: yeah i think my takeaway from all this is is you just you have to you have to judge any given situation based on the situation right to make blanket statements about this stuff isn't really helpful as much as uh to have some principles to operate on. So to succinctly put that the principle is we're called to serve our to, to protect and serve our neighbor. So do that.
0: Ben I think if I had if I have one takeaway from this
1: I bet it's going to be spicy. Ben's feeling spicy today.
0: This is my biggest takeaway. It's remember what we have been given. Remember the responsibilities that we've been given. To above all things, love God and serve neighbor. Those are our God-given rights and our freedom lies within that. And we can't conflate, confuse the freedoms that we have as citizens of the United States or Canada or Brazil or wherever you're listening to this podcast with the rights of a Christian. Because they're not always the same. And the more we can do to distinguish those, the more that we can do to make sure that we're mindful of those. I think the better it will serve us in a lot of these conversations. And the better we will be able to approach disagreements around a lot of political issues like whether we can own guns, whether we should own guns. We'll come come at those conversations with a lot more patience and grace if we remember what they are in the context of the world we live in.
1: Yeah so if you if you know someone who's struggling with with some part of this topic or you think this podcast would be helpful to them go ahead and send them a link um and uh if you're listening to this because someone sent you a link good on you for listening to the stuff that your friend sends you because i i don't always do that when people point me to different things so uh congrats pat yourself on the back and uh after you're done patting yourself on the back, you can go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, uh, and regardless of why you're listening to this particular episode, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, we appreciate it, it uh, it lets us know that we're not just talking to ourselves here, and uh, we are on all the major podcasting platforms, so Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Podbean, etc. And we love we love to see those numbers go up and uh, we also have a Facebook page like it, if you want, we don't really care it's mostly there, so if you need to reach out to us, but you don't know us personally you can do that we love topic suggestions we love uh, guest suggestions, we will do our best to. Uh, to accommodate those and if you would like to come on for an episode, we can certainly find some space for you, we love talking to people. Um, especially people from different backgrounds than us so uh because we'll be at some point talking to a bunch of pastors gets pretty boring
0: yeah we'll be back next week with uh, our study of corinthians we thank you for bearing with us through these couple of weeks uh and accommodating us as we come at you with something a little different
1: bearing with us we're a joy ben what are you talking about i mean <laughs> <laughs> Ugh
0: with uh, we'll hear brothers and sisters next week. We'll, we'll hear us <laughs> next week go in peace serve the lord thanks be to god
1: there's definitely a delay on that video man it's killing me